We are going to have a beta. The break it early test application. Because <laughs> evidently, these online games are hard. They can have some nasty issues. I, I read on the internet that our games have had a few bugs. <laughs> I did. I read it on the internet, so it's true. And that uh, sometimes it doesn't just work. Theme song. This is the Motion Pixels Podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. August, say hello. Hello, Matthew Rawlings, my co-host. Say hello. Hoodie-ho! And joining us this week, one of the badder, I say personally, the, the baddest boy of comedy, uh, Uncle Dane. It's me. Hello. Uh the person who just said it's me that is uncle dane uh he is in the podcast and this is the motion pixels podcast uh what's up gangsters <laughs> uh what's up guys uh how you how you hooting by see what i did there because we're recording in uh dane's uh beautiful uh fort in fallout as the hootie boys a gang of um owl bandits uh, in the world of uh appalachia in uh fallout yes welcome to my uh i'll have to correct you there it's not a fort it's a camp and that's an acronym i don't remember what it stands for but it's c-a-m-p in this game it's basically just the equivalent of a fort though and this is my little uh side room where i sit on my couch and i built a chair specifically so matt could sit on it too so welcome Wow. So considerate. Thank yes. you. <laughs> you can't yeah, so, see it. it. Oh wait. Matthew, oh no, go I ahead. was gonna say this is where all the this is where all the hot deals go down. It's Dane true. Is quite the uh the merchant in this game. I run a side hustle where I sell all of the extra crap that I find laying on the ground in this game. But unfortunately vending machines right now are actually disabled in this game. <laughs> Again right, because wait. uh of a duplication glitch that that got discovered again. Unfortunate. They were disabled this weekend, too. I thought they would have had a fix for it out by now. I would have assumed that, too. They might have fixed it today. I just didn't check up on uh, the status of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought... I haven't heard anything from, about it being fixed since uh, yesterday. So, yeah, still disabled. I hope it's fixed so that we have random people, like, come and walk into frame while we're recording who are trying to buy like stim packs or whatever you're selling <laughs> well i already turned off all of my uh vending machines so that wouldn't happen anyway so oh but then it's not like they would i mean the pe only people who'd be coming here to check out my vending machines are the people who don't know that that is a uh, a thing right now that they're that they wouldn't be able to buy anything anyway they'd just be able to peruse and see what i'm selling but not be able to actually purchase anything so yeah that'd be a big big legal problem because we'd have to get our producers to go and like track those people down get them to sign releases so they can appear on the podcast mm -hmm. um it'd be this whole thing that's true yeah so we won't i mean unless somebody just stumbles upon this camp while they're walking down the street but highly doubt that that's gonna happen but yep uh normally this is where i uh i peddle all of the interesting stuff that i that i find all around the wasteland it's uh it's like half the game for me. I've probably already explained it in other prod podcasts, but the uh, the trading thing is fun, and this is where I, where it all goes down. 
Yeah. So just to refresh our you know listeners, readers who are reading just the transcriptions, uh, viewers, uh, brains on Fallout. It's like, you know, Fallout 76, it's like a online enabled Fallout game set in West Virginia that's very it's built off of Fallout 4, but you can play with your friends. And there's this whole um like base building or camp building aspect to it with um like like merchanting selling stuff. Um and yeah, Dane, so you're you're really into the the merchant side of things in this game? Yeah, definitely. Uh there's like a third party uh system set up through Discord and stuff where you can trade high uh level weapons and gear and stuff like that and the more i was looking into it the more i've actually found out about the real world money trading being like a huge thing right now actually as well like people are making some crazy like real world money off of this game i've heard rumors of people making like upwards of like thirty thousand fifty thousand dollars off of a single thing or just like no 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 Uh, off of like just a side hustle of of uh selling items for real world money uh in this game most of those items of course being duplicated which is the real root of the problem i think is that the it's so easy to to basically cheat items into this game and people just sell them for uh you know you know five or six dollars each but i mean like you do that all day it's like your full-time job i'm sure you can probably make quite a lot of money especially certain uh weapons i've seen going on these sites for like hundreds of dollars so it's kind of nice i've been thinking about like i saw some some headline today that was saying that american video game sales are at their peak like ever don't quote me on that, but it's some, something crazy like American video games are selling or video games in America, I should say, are selling like crazy because people are cooped up at home. So yeah. I've been thinking like you see on Twitter, there's all these people who typically wouldn't be posting about video games, like posting about Animal Crossing, um, and other, mostly Animal Crossing, honestly, but um, other games that they're playing too. So I wonder if this market you're talking about has been further, um, has gotten a further boon from people stuck at home, maybe laid off and doing it could be, yeah. Fallout 76 trading as an actual side hustle. It's pretty cool, <laughs> honestly. It's cool, but it's also totally illegal. So there's that. Um, or at le- not illegal yeah. necessarily, but against Bethesda's TOS. Uh, so these people usually uh, get their accounts banned after a while. But I mean, the damage has already been done. They've already made their money, you know. And uh, all they got to do is just make another account. <laughs> so, but it's mostly just rooted in the problem of. Uh, of duplicating items like the real world money thing is always going to be a problem like whether they uh crack down on it or not it's mostly just the fact that you can duplicate items so effectively in this game that it makes it a legitimate business strategy because you can get your hands on a ton of weapons that people are willing to pay 10 15 upwards of 50 dollars for so you just make as many as you want so you do that all day then i I mean i could see you making a ton of money yeah, so what um, my experience in game marketplaces, as we've talked about before, is pretty much just TF2 and Animal Crossing. Um, but in this game, like, what are the big like staples of the market? Like, how are people making their money, and like, what are the major things that are being sold, sold and bought? Uh, legendaries, hundred percent, because legendaries are are quite rare, especially since there's a lot of RNG involved in getting the exact role that you want. So people when they find like these god rolls, right? They find like the perfect weapon. If they can duplicate it, then that's just easy money for them, right? Because I mean like if I wanted to, if I ever got a god roll, I could probably sell that one weapon uh in the real world money trading 
uh, sphere or whatever for, you know, a couple dozens of dollars, you know? Like, <laughs> but if you have hundreds of those on your account, then you could exponentially be be selling weapons and stuff for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. So, yeah, it's it's mostly just legendary weapons and, and armor because those are the end game items for a lot of people because they are so dependent on uh, RNG and stuff. And when you say God rolls, like I'm imagining, I just for as a disclaimer, I am level, I think, 18 and Dane is level 263. So I am very new to this game, just got it this week. Um, so when you say God rolls, I'm imagining like in Diablo, how when you when you get like a legendary we- a legendary weapon or piece of armor, it'll have like randomly assigned stats yeah. to it. And like the, the good ones are the God rolls. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Like there are three slots essentially for, or three, like they call them stars. Uh, and there are three slots. This wasn't Fallout 4 also. I don't know if you played that game, but um, there- Not a ton. There are, yeah, there are three like slots basically. And- and uh, each slot has a, a chance of a certain effect, and certain effects are good on different weapons. Like, uh, like an automatic weapon would be really good with the with it's called the furious uh, legendary effect, which basically means if you're if you continuously do damage to the same target uh, a bunch of times in a row, then your damage increases over time. So, like that would be good on a on a, on like an automatic weapon, not necessarily like a a sniper rifle, right? So if if you get like a furious uh, legendary sniper rifle, then it's not going to be nearly as wor- uh, like uh, worthwhile as a uh, as like a uh, a minigun with furious, right? So you d- take that into account, and the fact that there's also possibility of getting three of those on the same weapon, and then making sure that all three of those effects are really good for that weapon, and maybe even uh, more importantly, good for the type of build that you've decided to to roll for your character, uh, that kind of affects uh, the the worth of a of an item. And there are certain weapons, of course, that are just better than others. So if you can get a god roll on on the better weapon, then you'll be sitting pretty on a on quite a lot of money. But if you can duplicate those items, like I said, then that just means you have infinite amount of of things to sell to people. So. And do you have any of these God Rule weapons, or are you like still a couple searching for that for that one? Oh, I, that's cool. Yeah, I I'd say that there are a few things that I have that are definitely like I don't think I could get anything better. Uh, but there, but the majority of my arsenal definitely is like, oh, this would be cool if like just this one effect was different. You know what I mean? So there's always something to grind for in the game, and that's the base of the the fun of the game, in my opinion. It's just grinding for these God Rules. It's just like you play the game, you log in. You make your rounds around the map. You explore. You kill a bunch. You clear out little dungeons and stuff. You look for legendary uh, weapons uh, that drop from legendary uh, enemies that are just randomly spawning, and you basically just you know it's like a casino. You just <laughs> keep <laughs> rolling it until you find what you want, and that's basically the the gameplay loop. So, but that gameplay loop is like ruined. I think if you're buying everything just for if you just dedicate like a couple hundred dollars to buying everything that you want you know what i mean it's yeah especially if they're like perfect like because like what you're saying is like like what's funny is the 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 end game loop which i I guess these two games kind of fit together in the same category so it makes sense but like destiny 2's end game loop is just like this where there's certain types of guns 
you want guns with certain perks and they drop randomly. So you kind of have to grind for them until you get it. And then when you get it, uh, you know, it's, it's great. And maybe there's like one perk that could be a little better so you can keep chasing it. But for most cases, like that gun's going to be good. But where Destiny 2 is kind of different is you can't sell it. Yeah. So they kind of like bypass this whole issue. It's like an interesting problem for this game because I feel like a lot that are in this category, they don't have player vending. So this never really comes up quite as much. Mm-hmm. And honestly, yeah, uh, it's interesting. It, yeah, it's yeah. I've been thinking about the differences between. Oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Dane. Uh, I've been thinking about the differences between this this game and Destiny Two because that's another like light MMO that I've played recently. And um, like what you were saying, Matt. Besides the fact that you don't have that player interaction, like I found that like the gunplay may not be quite as fun in this game as it is in Destiny. But just like what you were saying, Dane, like just walking around the world exploring i find it be really fun like there's so many little things that are scattered around the map that are just fun to come across like we were just at matt <clears throat> we were just at matt's uh camp and like on top of this abandoned house at his camp there's like a like teddy bears having like a tea party and it's like who put those there why are they there yeah there's there's see and that's that's what makes uh that that's what's so interesting about this game where because i think division and destiny kind of play somewhat similar i've never mm-hmm. played division um it's fun so i'm not super familiar with how it works but like i imagine it's not it's more like destiny where there's uh big open environments and there's a lot of things you can do the, in those environments but they'll lead to more instanced encounters where yeah. in this game it's more like one giant world that's like a fallout map and it has all the flair that makes the Fallout games uh, great, where there's like a lot of just weird things that aren't important to the story that you can uncover in the map. Like where my camp is, there's notes that you can read, and it tells a story about how I think the settler that lives there, she that's like her daughter's or her sister's uh, teddy bears that are up there. And there's notes from her daughter that, talk about how she's always mad that her sister's like telling her to come home to and to check on her but her sister's afraid that she's gonna run off and like disappear one day and that's why and it's just like this little storyline that's kind of like spread out in just that area that you can discover and it's just there like there's no that like that isn't even a there's nothing that will ever point you to that area on the map um if you just don't walk by it you'll never see it and there's tons of stuff like that in this game like yeah. you can find so many little like world building things throughout the game and it, it, it's neat. It, it's just like, uh, it's, it's just like fallout. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Cause <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's weird to, to see a fallout game that can be experienced exactly like any other fallout game, but also just be an entire MMO on its own as well. So it's, it's neat. I like it. Yeah. And, that, and see, that's what I kind of want to talk about uh, this week with Fallout is this has kind of been like my second reawakening with the game because I had been kind of playing since Wastelanders dropped uh, a couple weeks ago, but I hadn't been playing it super hard, um, just kind of casually getting on. And because I had a character I played the base game with initially, so I was able to just kind of do the Wastelander quests and move on, and it didn't really grab me. But when Gus got it this weekend, I decided I was going to start a new character. Mm-hmm. and um start like completely over and it's kind of it's been nice to see kind of like relearn the game and learn the gameplay loops 
because my first time through, my friend kind of carried me through it, and I didn't really quite get how the game was meant to be played. But what's what's so interesting about this game is the single player is, I, I guess the main story is designed to basically just be a single player. Yeah. Like, you can do it with friends, but especially, like, with the Wastelander quests, uh, you can't do them at the same time. So if one person finishes it, another person won't. So the quests are more designed around you kind of just playing on your own like it is Fallout. And then the multiplayer parts will come in where if there's like a public event or something that's, uh, you know, one of the more typical things you'd find in a game like this, like in Destiny or something, there's public events that you can join and those are where the multiplayer really come in. Or you can just explore with friends and find those things that we were just talking about in the environment. Um, And it's just such a weird gameplay loop and i and i'm really enjoying it because it's nice because you can just come on play through the play through some quests get some stuff done and then you can go do the radiation rumble public event or something like that and just blast a bunch of enemies with your friends and get a bunch of good stuff doing it Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool yeah it kind of reminds me matt of like if you remember maybe five years ago before um before games kind of gave, gave up on this idea most big games that came out like rpgs even would come out with an online mode like if you recall like mass effect 3 had i think i don't know one and two had it but i know mass effect 3 had like a pvp mode that might have been fun i don't know but it was kind of like stapled on to the main game and you didn't have to play it at all and this game is almost like a integrated version of that where rather than having like you know having to go through a menu to access the multiplayer it's all just in the world of the single player game, but kind of to the side of it. Like you can just go and do the single player game and I could go and grind all my quests all, all day long if I wanted to. But then on that same map, there there are these multiplayer events. There is um, the potential for PvP. And there is like a actual like a battle royale mode or something that you can access via like the main menu. But for the most part, it's all like in this world, which is a pretty cool, ambitious um ambitious way to design this game so I'm, i've been kind of impressed so far that it's how, how fun this game is yeah wait can we take an aside to mass effect 3 multiplayer real quick yes please did dane did you ever play that no no i never played mass effect oh my god dude what oh dude mass effect is oh that that is one of my favorite franchises it's so good um, i remember uh but- when mass effect 3 came out i think you were talking about it like way back when when it came out (laughs) oh yeah yeah dude like uh mass effect one was the first game i got from my xbox 360 and since i was in high school and i think it was like my freshman year i didn't have a job i didn't really have a good way to get money so my only game was mass effect so i probably played it like six times (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. like one of those rpgs that takes like you know minimum 30 hours if you're going fast through it to beat uh but that that franchise, dude, that was such a staple on my like early or late teenage years. I played Mass Effect one probably like to completion twelve times, um, and it would just be like a yearly thing where I would like jump back in. But uh, uh, I wanted to talk about Mass Effect three because that multiplayer, like, it was bolted on, but that was actually like it was so much fun. It was um, it was kind of like Gus was saying, it was integrated into the main game where. Mass Effect 3, the whole storyline was like, oh, the Reapers are here and uh, the entire galaxy has to team up and take them down. 
And so they like tied in the mode kind of where it was um, you could make characters that were of all the different alien races. So like in the main story, you play as uh, Commander Shepard, who's just a human and you can't be anything other than a human in that game. But in the multiplayer, it was the first time you could make uh, a character that was like a Salarian or a. um... Oh, man, I'm forgetting the names of all those races. Oh, no. Uh, but you could do of like make classes out of all these different races that you could see throughout the the entire game, and it was kind of like a horde mode, where it'd be like a squad of four, and you could build like a class of all these different races, and like all of your achievements in that would give you bonuses in the the main single player. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. I I I I just thought that just got brought back to that, so I had to talk about it. <laughs> but <laughs> no, um, I mean. You've always liked um, dating simulators. So, I mean, talking about Mass Effect, you know, is fine by me. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Ashley was my waifu in that game. <laughs> the, best, the best romance option. Um, uh, while, while we're talking about dating simulators, actually, before we talk more about dating simulators, um, yeah, Matt, it's funny you, uh, when you're talking about Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, though it is kind of stapled on, it did have that integration with the single player um, that I don't think other games that had that stapled on um, multiplayer did like if you recall bioshock 2 had multiplayer and as far as i recall it was basically just like capture the flag but with big daddies and i mean it was fun sure but like i don't think it had anything to do with the single player mode or had any tie back so it's pretty it's cool that like they made that effort with mass effect 3 to have it kind of exist within the context of the greater story versus just like a, you know, big daddies like to fight each other and play capture the flag. <laughs> yeah. That, that multiplayer. Uh, yeah, it was rough. I, I think back then I was all about grinding Xbox achievements. So I think I played a lot of it just to try to get as many of those as I could. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad we've moved away from having every, you know, single player shooter that comes out having a multiplayer mode tacked on and games are much more, uh, you know, it's either <laughs> they're only multiplayer, multiplayer game, now. <laughs> yeah. Only multiplayer or only single player. Yeah. Uh, and then the ones and like, I guess the service games like, um, yeah, games you know, like fallout is more like, uh, you know, you get all that stuff in there. Um, and that's something that's actually like, I'm trying to decide if, like I, I'm trying, I'm trying to think how much staying power I'm gonna. This game is gonna have with me, because um, something that was cool about Destiny Two was I found the game. It's real like the worst part about these games in a general. Taking a step back, these like uh, MMO lights or however you want to call them, they're they're not like World of Warcraft, but they're still like very multiplayer based, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, they they have these really confusing gameplay loops for players to get into. Um, from what from what I see, like there's like what the game wants you to do, and it has all the offerings. So for like Destiny Two, it's like oh you can do a can't this campaign thing, and then you can do um, we have these like dungeons you can run, and there's like some raids if you really want to get into that. And there's all this stuff, but it's not super clear of like what you're supposed to do. Like the Destiny Two gameplay loop, as far as I know when I got into it was like log in, you'd pick up bounties at the Citadel. Uh, and that's like the main home area where like vendors and stuff are. Uh, and then you go do things that are going to get you to finish your bounties being at like dungeons or replay a single player mission or go into the PVP arena. And then you log out and that's what you do. 
And this game, it seems a little more like I'm having a hard time picking up what it's going to be. Because like right now, uh, since I made a new character, I'm able to go through all the quests. So I have like this big quest log and I'm going through a bunch of Wastelanders quests. I'm doing some of the, the original base game quests right now. Um, but after I finish those up, I don't know what they're really, I don't know what the loop is supposed to be. Cause I know there's like dailies, right. Yeah. Um, with like some of the factions in the cities and there's like public events, but like, what is, what is your gameplay loop look like right now? Since you're, I think you're more at that end game state than either of us. Uh, I mean, mainly it's just been, uh, server hopping to like do nukes. I mean, a lot of Josiah has been a lot of, uh, or Josiah has been doing a lot of that. Uh, what do you mean by do nukes? Oh, like uh, you can run the the nuke silos. So they put a bunch of nuke silos in the game where you can basically just do a dungeon. Uh, and then at the end of the dungeon, if you have um, the right like puzzle pieces, like you need a nuclear key card, which you can get from uh, a random place on the map. And then there, you also need the uh, the nuclear code, which normally you would need to get three pieces of the same silos code from random uh enemies around the map and then use that to solve the code but the code is universal across all servers and it only resets once a week so uh the people <laughs> there's just some people out there i don't know who who decide to solve it every week and then publish and then publish it online and they do oh, that very cute. quickly like hours after they reset it so uh, that part you actually don't really need to do you can just look online for the codes but you still need to get the nuclear code or, or, I'm sorry, the nuclear key card. And then you go and do the nuclear silo, which is essentially a dungeon. And at the end, you launch a nuke and you can put it basically anywhere on the map except for like the starting area. And what that does is just turn the area into a high level zone. Um, the most common thing people do is that there's a special event that you can start uh, if you nuke um, the bottom right corner of the map, which spawns a giant uh, Scorch Beast Queen uh, boss fight. And that's basically just uh, a bullet sponge, a damage sponge, uh, <laughs> and uh, people just like a show up dragon. and they and they basically just shoot at this one big creature over and over until she dies. And then you get a bunch of uh, cool loot from that. You get a bunch of uh, important uh, like crafting materials and stuff. But um, that, along with uh, just I don't know, just running the common spots where you can find legendary uh, enemies. Uh, running it over and over and over again, <laughs> um, rolling for legendaries. Uh, it's very much a, a um, at least the end game for me has been a very much like a passive thing. Like I'll usually just listen to music or podcasts or I'll chat with friends while I play the game. Um, it's de it definitely doesn't really require a whole lot of your uh, your direct attention. So it's very much like a, I don't know like a, a very uh, relaxing game in that way when you get to the end game because especially whenever you get to like level 100 and above it feels like pretty much nothing can really kill you in the game and it's not like dying in the game really has that much of an effect anyway so it's 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 pretty chill like I don't know it's just kind of something to do you log in and like uh, Matt said there's dailies uh, it's kind of like just logging in and doing your homework and and <laughs> I kind of I kind of dislike the daily limit that they have on a lot of stuff because it feels like they're they haven't they have like an idea of how much uh they want you to play the game and uh what are you puking are you all right yeah, sorry I, just, I felt really sick <laughs> Do you feel okay 
I think we need to get, I think we need to get August some tums or something. Are you feeling all right? You're puking through your mask. Yeah, yeah I'm good. I actually, I got, um, I got COVID tested. I got cleared, but you know, I, I just have allergies or something. Okay, I don't know why you would even bring that up, but, um, basically to sum things up before uh, uh, the puke uh, interrupted. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you like <laughs> clipped through the couch. Uh, this game. Um, yeah, it's 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 very passive kind of game. I mean, like uh, it, like I said before, you're basically just rolling for the perfect weapons. You have you you get to a point where you sit down and you open up a Google Doc and you write down like what is my dream loadout right now? Like I have my character built. I have my build like pretty much established what are the weapons what are the legendary effects that would make this character great and what would be really fun to use and then you you write that all down and you say okay that's what i'm aiming for that's what i'm looking for and then you just go out there and you look for it and whether that be through trading which is something that i've been participating in a lot or just manually going through and and uh just grinding you know going at the grind it's uh i don't know it when it, when you step back and and really like big picture it it's very uh pointless but this is definitely a time sink game it's not necessarily intended to be <laughs> like like uh yeah um, like how i i view this game and, and playing team fortress 2 for example very differently like tf2 i'm in there and i'm, I'm thinking about how am i going to get better at the game how, like what are the new like strategies that i can employ like playing different maps and playing different stuff like that like I have a completely different mindset when I play that game, but this game is like kind of more relaxing. Turn your brain off, just run around, shoot enemies, do events, trade with people, you know, just kind of basic stuff like that. And see, what's nice about this game that I think it does better than Destiny 2 is that there's like a clear you're done point uh, once you finish the Mm -hmm. story. And if like the end game isn't appealing to you, then you can just stop. Yeah. Where like <laughs> Destiny has, even though it has, it has way more years of content. So, um, but even with all that, a lot of it, you hit repeated stuff really quick. Cause that whole game is kind of just like dungeons. Oh yeah. And uh, PVP. Yeah. And you just basically grind it there where, so it's like, if you get someone new into the game, if they don't latch onto any of that, um, they're kind of out and like mm-hmm. the they did this weird thing where it's like even hard to find the single player missions now so that's basically just like not there so it's <laughs> like buried in these weird menus i don't know why they did that but it's cool because this game it's like you come in you can do the you can do the single player and then if you like it and you want to keep playing the game you can do the end game grind yeah and if you don't then you know then you, you stop and then you come back in a couple months when there's a new content drop yeah. which uh did you see that they did the roadmap for the rest of the year? Did yeah, you see yeah. The stuff on there. Oh, it's got some exciting stuff on there. I, w- I was hoping maybe we could touch on some of that stuff because. Uh, oh yeah, we we should. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I'm glad that they're doing a roadmap that's been like heavily requested since the inception of the game. So it's crazy. I mean, they they did a roadmap kind of before last year, um, but it was very it was very one dimensional. It was basically like, oh, we're gonna make an update it in, in this month, this month, this month. This one, they they they've dropped like a ton of, uh, either hints or just straight up telling us like what they're planning on adding during different parts of the year, and it's exciting because a lot of it is very heavily requested, and a lot of it's very like 
out of left field, like really cool stuff. Um, they already hinted at the Brotherhood of Steel returning in their AMA that they did on oh, Reddit. Dude, I'm so excited! But for apparently, the Brotherhood of Steel. yeah, it's gonna be like a two part uh, story with the Brotherhood of Steel, which I think is a really great concept. It's like you experience like part one essentially of the <laughs> of the Brotherhood of Steel, and then like uh, the story gets continued in a future update. So that's that's pretty neat instead of it just kind of all coming out at once and then you can do it in 10 hours and then you're done, you know? Yeah. Gus, did you see any of this stuff that we're talking about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at the, the 2020 roadmap. They're having like the dynamic leveling so you can play with low level and high level people together. There's the brotherhood of steel stuff. Uh, what else was there? There's like a battle pass or something like that. They're adding. Yeah. Yeah, So like they're adding like, yeah, it's basically they're adding like the battle pass season system that every game is doing now. Um, I guess they're removing a system that's already in the game. Like there's like daily challenges, which I kind of knew existed because I would occasionally get them. I thought they're random. I didn't know you could actually <laughs> view and try to accomplish those. I didn't. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never seen those before, but I guess a lot of people are mad about it. I'm pretty excited. I'm a sucker for battle passes and season passes. Um yeah, me too. People I really are, like them. People uh, are mad about the them. They said that they're going to be replacing the daily challenges with a like a a, a better version. Uh, so I don't think that they're getting rid of it. I think they're just going to make it more in your face, essentially, about like what kind of stuff that they want you to do. Because the problem with the current system, I think, is that there's just too much. There's just like they they're like achievements, but like there's like ten times more like achievements than any game ever puts in there and you get like atoms from them but you only get like 10 20 atoms from doing them uh and they can refresh every day or every week so like i can understand people who were using it as like a a good source of uh atoms if they didn't want to spend real money on the atom store but uh i don't know i don't think they're going to be completely taking it out i think they're just replacing it with something that's more streamlined from what i could tell uh from that oh yeah that's what i meant it's like they're removing the system they have now and they're implementing it as progression in the the season yeah yeah which i think is better personally just because uh i don't know most of the time uh, i'm sure that there were people who probably that was like the way that they played the game was they would open up their their uh daily atom challenges and then do them but uh i for the most part anytime that i completed one of those it was just on accident <laughs> like it would yeah, just kind of yeah, pop and i'd be like oh cool <laughs> i got 10 cents sweet uh, so <laughs> like when you, when you talk about atoms so this these are this is like the premium currency the, in the yeah. game so the yeah so the daily challenges are a way to just accumulate that without spending money and then what's the point of like having these atoms i haven't really looked in the atom store a whole lot oh yet. it's all pretty much essentially all cosmetics there are a few things that might give you a slight edge to the game which was like huge controversy when they added it because i remember pete hines saying that they would never add things like that but it's all basically just uh quality of life stuff rather than giving you an advantage uh, most mostly talking about things like the fridge i think if you store food in it then it'll spoil slower and that's something you can only get from the atom store. So, like, I guess if if uh, you want to keep a lot of food, I don't know. I guess you should get it. But, like, stuff like that, you don't have to pay real money for. So, it's not that big a deal. And most of the stuff, like, um, the uh, the repair kits that you can buy in the atom store, you get for doing uh, events and stuff. I've never bought a repair kit in my life. I have, uh, like 
hundreds of them because I just do the events and then they just stack up and I feel like I, I, I can't use them fast enough. So, um, I don't know. It was a, it was a big thing, but, uh, anyway, the Adam store is mostly like 99% cosmetic stuff. Like the stuff that you see us wearing here. Uh, well, actually, no, I don't uh, No, The only thing I think is, uh, what Matt is wearing to the left in that chair. Uh, you get that for, um, getting fallout, uh, first, which is, yeah, uh, for being a sucker, <laughs> for being a sucker. Yeah. Wait, what is it that you have? That's, uh, it's his shirt. For the fallout it's first? His jacket. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, like the New Vegas jacket. That, yeah, it's a it's an item from New Vegas that they give you if you're a a first member. So yeah. it also oh, has you're like, like the, the the what's that what's that called the uh, the Republic? <laughs> what's uh, what's that faction called in New Vegas that has that? Where's that jacket? California Republic. Yeah, yeah. I, is that him? NCR. I don't know if that, yeah, I yeah. Th- I think it I is, don't know but... if it's the jacket that they wear, but like the the jacket and the helmet you get, I think are the like the staple. Uh, clothing of the guy on the cover of Fallout New Vegas. At yeah, like the like Patrick the more, Mahomes yeah. of the Fallout franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess a better example would be like the flooring, right? Like the flooring and the wallpaper that you see behind us, like that stuff you get for Adams in the Adam shop. Like that would cost maybe like 300 Adams, which is the equivalent of like $3. But you can build up Adams over time if you're playing. Like I said, most of the time when I'm playing... Uh, and I get these, it's on accident. Like you can, you don't even have to really try to get them. So if you just play the game a lot, eventually you can save up enough atoms to buy this stuff. But generally it's just easier to, uh, to buy it with real money if you really, really want it. Um, luckily, I mean, I, I have Fallout first, which I honestly don't regret mainly because every month they give you, uh, they give you, uh, I think it's like 1,600 atoms for free, which is like twice as much as you pay for the subscription itself in money. So, I mean, if you're already playing the game a lot, then I think uh, you'll just be able to get stuff from the store anyway. Um, that being said, uh, my, Adam, my, my uh, Fallout First subscription broke like two weeks ago, and Bethesda hasn't fixed it, so... Oh, really? Hmm? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, uh... <laughs> Like, how long has your ticket been pending? It's been pending for a while, but they've been getting back to me occasionally, like maybe like once every five days. The last ticket response that I got, somebody transferred me to another department because I guess the problem was out of their knowledge base or something. So, stupid. The problem being like that I I log into my account on Steam, which I very clearly purchased Fallout first through. And uh, it just doesn't work. And it also logs me out of uh, of my Bethesda account every single time that I launch the game. So I have to re-log into my account every single time I, I launch Fallout 76, which really? apparently is like apparently is the root of the problem. But they were telling me that <laughs> they were telling me that it's blocked by my firewall or something. And I'm like, man, what? I have a Windows firewall, like, and I already checked it, like it. Fallout 76 is 100% an exception of from the firewall. It's obviously that by default, so I don't know why that would be a problem. So, um, but yeah, anyways. this might be a good time to talk about like the. Oh no, go on. I was just I was gonna use this as a launch. Oh, uh, I more mean, about just to sum it up, I just think it's funny. Like they they want they wanted me to send them. Uh, uh, I think it's like a, a, a DX. What is it, Matt? DX Diag. Yeah, DX Diag on my computer. So I sent them that, and then then they were like, uh, I don't know what this is. Uh, we, we're going to transfer you to another department, and then I haven't heard back since then. So, um, 
but yeah, that's that's the situation. Either way, uh, I mean, if I wasn't having problems with it, then then I wouldn't be a little tiny bit bitter about it. But uh, at the same time, I still think it's worth getting Fallout first if you play the game a lot. What were you gonna say though, uh, August? Oh, you were because you were talking about this this very annoying bug that you've been encountering. And in my short time with the game, you know, I've only been playing for maybe four days or so. Um, I've encountered a whole bunch of random bugs oh, yeah. um, that have ranged from like, I would say game breaking in that like sometimes the sound <laughs> just won't load yeah. and I just have to keep restarting the game until it does um, to just like the funny, like I was just playing um, some mission where I had to break into like a lab and in the lab there was these scorched, which are these like infected zombie characters. Um, and I killed I killed one of the Scourge who was in the lab and then the other was just like frozen with her like head around her or with her hands around her head. Like she was like about to like freak out and like rage out and try to kill me, but she was like completely frozen and I couldn't shoot her, couldn't do anything. And she was just hanging out. Uh, I saw yesterday a similar Scourge that was glitched, but just without a head. So like you oh, could yeah. like stand over her and look into her body mm-hmm. because they're just the head just didn't load <laughs> or whatever. Um, yep. And I don't, I don't even remember other bugs that I've uh, encountered, but Too many a bunch to of count. really small things. Yeah, a bunch of little things that are just like, how did you guys not catch these after it's, I mean, this game's been out for so long? I mean, it's a meme at this point with any in any Bethesda game, any any game that was built in the creation engine. It seems because, I mean, I can't remember if I told you guys about like I watched a documentary about the making of this game, and people were. Like some of the devs were saying, like, "Oh, some of the stuff in the code is from Morrowind." <laughs> like, it's oh, just... oh yeah, the uh, is that the NoClip documentary? Yeah, yeah. And they were saying it with kind of like, I don't know, in kind of like a a, a joking manner, or at least like they were trying to play it off as like, "This is cool." How like a game that I used to play growing up, I can see remnants of the code in the engine that I'm now making an entire like AAA game on, <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know. They tried to play it off as cute, but in my mind, I was just like, Jesus, like, isn't that kind of a sign of like, maybe you should start over <laughs> and like not be working on something so like ancient, but uh, that's just me. I'm sure that, I don't know. That's a huge, that's a pretty heavy criticism. That's not necessarily original by any means, but at the same time, it's totally true about this game. It, it, it has so many bugs. Uh, and, and like you said, most of them are pretty funny and not, really that intrusive that they're just kind of like weird like what the heck like what happened but there are some times where i mean like honestly of all the things that uh that i could probably talk shit about this game the thing that it, that would probably make me quit is just the amount of bugs like it's just it, it really just mm-hmm. grind like just degrades your uh experience over time i think a little bit at a time it's it's manageable i think but Man, like, I think if I put, like, uh, my maybe like more and more months of my life into this game, I think that I probably would, would uh, eventually just get worn down by the amount of, uh, amount of things wrong with just like little things in the game, because it's just, uh, it's it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm a pretty tolerant person when it comes to like little visual bugs and stuff like oh man you can see my hand is clipping through my jacket that's messed up and probably wouldn't fly in a lot of situations but i don't really care that much but 
there are obviously bigger ones, like you said, where something, some enemies just don't have a head and they don't fight. And it's very frustrating because like, what if that's a legendary enemy or something and you, and you wanted to kill it, but it's invincible and it has no head, you know, sucks. Yeah. It's like this game, like, I mean, literally is a remnant of a past generation of games, like, <laughs> because it's running on code from like the Morrowind era. But something I've been thinking about with Fallout 76 um, as I've been playing it is it feels like very uh, feels like kind of a warm blanket that brings me back to my like high school days of like just like coming home from school and playing like Fallout 3 for hours and hours then Fallout New Vegas for hours and hours where like this game isn't that different than those games. Those games came out, you know, about 10 years ago or so now. And like the graphics look a whole lot better. Like this is a very pretty game. Yeah. uh, there's awesome vistas and I mean, the lighting's really cool, but there's all of these bugs that you don't see in other like AAA releases and the movement and the way things clip through each other. Some of the animations you see just don't seem up to snuff with um, like other big games. Like I know Matt, you have a lot of experience with the Witcher three. I haven't played a ton of that, but that game has like, these beautiful beautiful animations where you're you're in a fight and you're having a sword fight with someone that all of a sudden Geralt will just like spin around and chop their head off and it looks amazing in this game you're just kind of like shooting your gun at someone as they're running towards you there's no effect on them on the character you're shooting they're just kind of like running at you as if nothing were (laughs) happening and then when they die they just like slump over you know, there's no grace to it like you see in a lot of yeah. newer releases. So I feel like Bethesda, I know recently, I think even this week, um, Todd, friend of the show, Todd Howard, said that uh, you shouldn't look forward to Elder Scrolls Six news for like years. It's like years out. And I, I, I have to think that they're really taking a step back. And maybe like creating an entirely new engine or a new way to go about these games. Because I I really think that Bethesda killed it through the last generation of video games, like with PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 Mm -hmm. and their PC releases then. But now it it feels a little, it feels like the the time has come. People started to notice in Fallout 4, I think. That's when people started to really say like, hey, maybe you should update your engine man like (laughs) because skyrim i mean like skyrim had a notorious amount of bugs in it but i think people let it Mm -hmm. slide because it was like an amazing game otherwise like it was one of a kind game that now pretty much every major rpg bases their entire model off of right like it's it was a it was a great game um but I think when Fallout 4 came out, they were just like, ooh, like, still with this whole bug thing? Like, I thought maybe you guys would, like, take a hint and and change something, but uh, that didn't happen, obviously. And and then with Fallout 76, I think people were just like, really? More? Like, <laughs> like dude, like, you really got to fix this. So I'm hoping that, that they take the hint. I really do think that they should uh, just... I don't know, just start over with an engine because it would it would benefit them. It would not only in the long run, but it would just make it so that the next generation of games is like, it's like a new Skyrim, right? It's like, it's amazing. It should be because honestly, I cannot wait for Elder Scrolls 6, whether it is made in the creation engine or not. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm so excited for that game. You have no idea. I love Elder Scrolls. Skyrim is like one of my favorite games of all time, so. Yeah, I I think this game really nailed it. Uh, 
nailed the point to them that they need to update their engine with how much backlash they got. Cause yeah. like, like you're saying the fallout four, uh, fallout four was really the tipping point. Cause mm-hmm. like the games have been buggy forever. Oblivion was buggy. Morrowind was buggy. Fallout three was buggy. Even new, like, you know, all of them. New all Vegas them are, was but... crazy buggy. Like people always forget about that, by the way. Like people always like look back at new Vegas and they say like, Oh man, that was like the peak. But oh, it was uh, the worst one. It was the worst that one, one by far. So much, yeah. yeah. But the only reason that people can go back and play it is because there are people who have made mods that prevent it from crashing. If you play it vanilla, then it'll mm-hmm. be impossible. <laughs> it's just yeah, not 100%. a good. It's not a well-made game, um, despite it getting you know the most praise. And it's this whole other maybe maybe in another podcast I can uh, we can go into like more of the philosophy behind. Uh, a nostalgia because <laughs> it's such an interesting sure. topic to me. Like, uh, it's just so crazy how people, I don't know, they, they put so much value on things that, that obviously, uh, I don't know, weren't as great as they remember anyway. Um, yeah. Well, like wh- where I was going with that was like, those games were just so good that it was easy to overlook the bugs then. And it was also yeah. like for the time there was nobody really, doing games like this back then mm-hmm. yeah but after skyrim you know and it was such a huge huge success and it was obviously a thing people wanted you started seeing a lot more games with like open worlds with a bunch of quests and a lot of things to do yeah and people did it and they did it without as many bugs <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. so it's like yeah. they find they kind of like you know shot themselves in the foot because they made this huge amazing game that everybody wanted to imitate in some way mm-hmm. and everybody kind of built their thing and did a really good job and then it comes to their next thing which was fallout 4 and it was like oh so we're still in, we're still having these janky walk animations huh i think like, it might oh. be a mentality of like they might feel like they don't have any competition i see this a lot with big companies uh where they they you can tell that they they feel like they only have to make something that was better than their last product and not necessarily something that's better than what's currently available uh in the market in general and so I feel like oh, they yeah. were just like, oh yeah, if we just make it better than Skyrim in as far as like graphics, then it'll be a okay. <laughs> like, but they don't realize that you know The Witcher Three came out and like it basically you know blew all of the that kind of uh, polish out of the water, and they probably didn't even like realize it. <laughs> they were probably just like, yeah, well, we don't have to compete with that because we're Bethesda and we make you know we have Elder Scrolls and we have the Fallout IP. And we have yeah. Doom. Yeah, have, th- like they, th- they don't have to think about. I don't know. They get this mentality. I think where they they don't have to think about uh, competition. They only have to make what was. They only have to beat what was already made by themselves. So it's it's a weird little mentality that that kind of hinders things like that. And I don't know. I think I'm hoping that they realize uh, that they need to step it up. That they need to you know look outside of their little bubble and. Uh, and figure shit out. Oh yeah. Well, like, dude, when Cyberpunk comes out, yeah, that's gonna that's fucking... gonna that's gonna show. It's like, yeah, okay. So now we have a huge game with all these options. That's first person, and it runs way better than your, you know, allegedly. Your I mean, like, it's not out yet. So crossing I fingers. Have, yeah, I think that it'll yeah, be really good. But I, I'm excited for that game too because I love those kinds of games. Um, and I'm hoping that it's it it has the replayability that um that the Skyrim and Fallout games had for me. 
Yeah, that studio, if, if Witcher 3 is any indicator, yeah, Witcher 3 had bugs, um, not Bethesda-level bugs, but was still buggy, but they fixed them, uh, and that game's quality was just so high. Yeah. Uh, especially for a value proposition. That game gave you so much stuff for such a good, like, it was like a bargain. Like, you got so much stuff out of that game. Um, and that, you know, I am hoping, and I think everybody is a good reason to believe that they're going to do it again uh with cyberpunk so i'm hoping i I, i'm so disappointed that i've missed uh uh every or every convention i've gone to um (laughs) i haven't been able to see cyberpunk like uh (laughs) like when i when i moved to seattle last year uh it was right before pax west so i was planning on going to uh I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to PAX for a day, and I'm going to go see Cyberpunk. I was like, because it, it's coming out soon. Like, it has to be there, right? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there, no. um, unfortunate. And then when Gus and I went to PAX East uh, in February, it was right when Corona was kicking in, so they canceled their mm-hmm. demo oh. at PAX East because of it, so I missed it again. And Damn. now, you know, the whole world's ending, and it's probably going to come out before <laughs> <laughs> before I have a chance to go anywhere else. So Yeah, we'll be dead. We'll it. be in the dirt by the time it comes yep. out. Did yeah. I uh, did I tell y'all about when I literally ran into the cyberpunk developers? Whoa, you ran into them with your car? <laughs> no, I wish. Is that why no, it's delayed? Body. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm, you can ask them. Uh, but Reddit Army, was... raise your pitchforks. Uh, no, no, guys, stop! No, <laughs> don't put your pitchforks down, guys. Uh, upvote me, please. <laughs> um, no, I was in uh, for work. I was. Uh, doing a deal in new york and i was staying at this hotel in manhattan and on my walk from my hotel to the client i literally walked into this guy um and as i was apologizing i noticed that he was wearing a blazer with a cyberpunk shirt underneath it and he was surrounded by like five other dudes who were wearing the same outfit and i was like oh my god are you guys the are you guys uh the cd project red team and he was like uh yeah in this super heavy polish accent and i was like oh my god this is so cool i'm such a big fan and i just i geeked out super hard and he looked genuinely surprised that he was even recognized like (laughs) i'm sure i think they were just like leaving like a business meeting or something and i just like geeked out for another minute then had to go but um yeah, that's the that's that's the story of how i literally ran into the that's awesome small world that's weird yeah, it was crazy. I was very, very excited about that. Mm. But yeah, I mean, if they are, um, I mean, I'm coronavirus free, so there's no, uh, there's no risk really that I contaminated them. So I, I don't think it would be delayed because of me. Okay, yeah. that's great news that you uh, that you didn't give them the COVID bug and that they didn't keel over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would feel so bad if that happened. Yeah, but, uh, you know, there's no risk of that. There's absolutely no risk of that. That's good. But. Um, that's great yeah on the on the the note of um bethesda like i don't know putting all of their eggs in the basket of skyrim success the embryo i I think they kind of (laughs) the embryo yeah is it embryonic or whatever it's called the creation engine i uh i don't know but you know i'm pro embryo um i'm embry pro (laughs) but uh i think they basically tried to do the thing that epic games is doing really successfully now where they took a big success and iterated on it like crazy to try to 
milk it for all it's worth and you know create this uh, a successful service game where epic created this game fortnite that was like a a pve game a pve base building game and the engine was so strong you know they're the company that made unreal engine unreal engine 4 at the time um unreal engine 5 just uh announced looks very cool but um they were able to iterate on uh, the base game that they made and turned it into the huge success that is Fortnite. And um, that game is crazy polished and has um, all of these, uh, all these new features that weren't there to begin with. And I think when Bethesda was so sex- successful, like you were saying, Dane, with Skyrim, they were basically tunnel visioned into their own success saying, you know, people love Fallout now. We're going to give them a new Fallout with Fallout 4. People love Fallout 4. We're going to give them an <laughs> online experience with Fallout 76. Yeah. But they just did a bad version of what Epic is doing because they didn't have that great. I mean, obviously this is a very good game, but they didn't have the polish in the engine, the stability in the engine that was required to make a game that felt truly next gen like Fortnite does. You know, I'm not the biggest Fortnite fan, but that game kind of defined the last part of this generation whereas i feel like skyrim defined skyrim and other bethesda games defined like the last generation of games and bethesda just kind of rested on their laurels a little too much yeah i wouldn't even call this game a good game i would call it a fun game (laughs) i feel like there could be a difference there where yeah i recognize that the game is not perfect by any means it's not even really that good like (laughs) there are so many things wrong with this game but it is still fun and that i feel like is worth something you know if the game is fun then why bother right reggie so or the game isn't fun is rather is rather what he said right the game's not fun why bother that's 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 the quote and uh i think that this game is fun so that's why i play it uh i don't i think that there are quite a lot of people who who I don't know. They they don't give a game a chance uh, based on whether the game is good. They they decide is the game good and then they nope out if it's not, instead of deciding if the game is fun. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, there's this uh, this podcast that Gus and I listen to called the Easy Allies Podcast. Um, Friends of the show, and they Friends have a the motto show. that they uh, say is uh, what is it? Swimming in sevens, and yeah. like they like to check out and appreciate games that are like, you know, middle of the pack. It's a seven. It's not amazing, but you can have fun with it. And and I think this game really falls into that. It actually does just fall into that category. I think Wastelanders oh, pushed it into like a, pushed it into just like, I think it's a 70 on Metacritic now. Whereas before <laughs> Wastelanders, it was like a 50 or something lower. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, like it's weird. It is weird. Like I, I, because we've been playing it, a couple of our other friends uh, have decided to buy into it. And it's a weird feeling where it's like when somebody asks you, should I buy this game? And you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but know this. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. Like, um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's something you can totally enjoy. It's just. Uh, it comes with it a lot support. of asterisks. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and you mm-hmm. basically have to, I don't know, it's like it's like saying like, oh, should I have a child? Should I? Uh, well, sure. But just remember, it's going to pee and poop everywhere. And uh, it's not <laughs> going to be a fun experience. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's very rewarding having a child, I'm sure. So, you know, there's the negatives <laughs> and the positives of anything. And I feel like the negatives of this are, 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 uh, are pretty front and center, but the uh, the fun factor I feel is uh, 
is very clear, at least to me. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, if Todd Howard is the father of Fallout, then I wish he would have taken, you know, I wish he would have asked for advice and found out about how much pee and poop there would be in Fallout 76. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If maybe he would have had some foresight to put a diaper on it, you know, so I didn't get <laughs> shit all over the ground. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But you can get, you can get cool, cool diapers in the Adams shop. Thank you. Um, okay. So I'm going to forcibly transition us to our next topic. Um, Sounds good. Uh, Which is wanted, Animal Crossing. So yeah, yeah the, uh, no, the new no, update no, Animal Crossing. Like we said last <laughs> week, Animal Crossing has been canceled. Um, <laughs> we will continue to bring it up and confirm that, yes, Animal Crossing is still canceled. Yet another victim of Corona. Um, okay, Matt, before we... Okay, yes, but before we move on, you know, due to COVID difficulties from uh, Animal Crossing, I think it would be helpful for our audience to know that surprisingly against all odds um this is something very near and dear to my heart um my village is better than matt's that's a topic for another time because it's false um, <laughs> uh <laughs> so uh i wanted to give you guys a sales pitch on better call saul because i think both of you haven't seen it yet that's not true oh you've seen it I have. I love Better Call Saul. Oh, I thought I talked to you. Okay, cool. So we can relate. We can. So here's the thing, though. Why. I haven't seen the most recent season of Better Call Saul. However, I've seen Se- everything up five? until that point. Yeah, I think the I've seen everything that's on Netflix essentially. Um, but I know that the la- the most recent season is not on Netflix yet, so I haven't watched it. Okay, so you're you're still further ahead than me because I was a. Uh, uh, I've been wa- I was watching it a long time ago, um, and they've had such a weird release schedule. I think they took a year off or something, right? Um, yes, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't. I never really kept up with the release schedule because it was definitely just something that I watched super passively. It was it was kind of like I never like paid attention to when it was coming out. All I knew is that whenever it popped up in my Netflix, in. I was just like, oh, cool, I can watch this now. So, uh, okay, but, cool. but yeah, I don't know. I don't know, um, what the release schedule has. I think that this most recent season, season five is their last season though. Right. Yeah. That's, okay. that's what I've heard. Sweet. Um, which is pretty crazy. It's gone five seasons. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I know. it's a great show. I understand why. Um, but I mean, uh, I know that, uh, Vince Gilligan is a, is a genius and, uh, I love oh, yeah. Breaking Bad. Definitely hands down my favorite TV show of all time. And, oh, uh, me too. it's, it's very admirable, I think, of him to know when to call it quits on a show. And that's my one of my favorite things about Breaking Bad is that it totally could have just gone on for like two or three more seasons and gotten really stale, jumped the shark, and people would have hated it. But he decided to end it at a really great moment. And uh, I really respect that. And I can tell that that is definitely still his mindset when coming into uh, Better Call Saul because, honestly, the show... I don't. I don't know if I would have continued watching Better Call Saul past five seasons. Like it's definitely done as much as it can do, as far as I can tell. So, but I still haven't seen the last season. So keep that in mind. So that that is the last season. Season five is the last season, and I think it's aired on television, but Netflix hasn't published it yet. So I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, what I wanted to talk about it was. I mean, it kind of goes into what you're saying. Like Vince Gilligan knew when to end Breaking Bad, uh, because he could have kept going it forever. This this show is kind of like Vince Gilligan 
wanting to keep it going, but wanting to do it in a good way. So it wouldn't get stale. Yeah. Because like Better Call Saul, it has such an interesting structure where it's kind of just like, it's not a, it is a prequel to Breaking Bad, but it's a prequel of all of like, I guess, multiple characters. world. Yeah. Yeah. I love that about it. It's not just about Saul Goodman. It's about Mike and it's about um, uh, Gus and it's about um, Uncle Tito or what's his name? Hector. Uh, Hector. Yeah. Hector Salamanca. I love those characters and I'm so happy to see like their like extra stuff with them and especially their backstory because it's super interesting the little like flashbacks that we got in breaking bad about Hector salamanca and stuff are crazy cool to me like i loved that about season four in particular so yeah it's awesome if you love breaking bad i feel like better call saul is a no-brainer it's basically just more breaking bad in my opinion (laughs) yeah and that's what's so cool about it like my favorite thing is that it's weird, like, I, the show is centered on Saul. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, early Saul, who's Jimmy. Um, but, uh, it, 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 like you are saying, it focuses on all these other characters, which, like, I think that the name almost kind of ruins it for some people of getting interested. Because yeah. they hear Saul, and they think it's going to be just a law show. But it's basically, like, the first couple seasons, it's, like, it, it's the Saul and Mike show. Where like mm-hmm. yeah. you get a lot of good like fun legal storylines through um, Saul's perspective, and then you get a lot of the the more like action kind of like drug scene stuff uh, with Mike, which is really cool. And then as they start like going into more of the backgrounds of the other characters, like like you're saying like Hector, like Gus, um, it sets the stage for basically how this big. Uh, infrastructure was set up that Walt found himself in towards the later parts of Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you get so much variety and it's so cool. And uh, another thing I really respect about the show um, is that it doesn't do any of that bullshit where it will put them in, put characters, you know, that make it out in peril. Like there's never a scene where you think that like Mike is going to die. Cause it's like, we all know Mike isn't going to die. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Mike, Mike is in Breaking Bad. He's going to live like, <laughs> oh, it's not like, oh, Saul's going to get shot. Like, no, he's not. Yeah. But they'll like, they, they put ambiguity around things that you don't know. Like, so guys, yes. so the yeah. kind of the plot line of at least what I've seen in this show so far is kind of how, um, so Saul Goodman, that's not his real name. I think, you know, that in Breaking Bad. So that's not a spoiler. Yeah, if it exactly. Is, you literally get it. Episode one. Um, his name his name is, is James, uh, McGill. James McGill. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jimmy McGill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the the show is kind of an arc of how he goes from being James McGill, uh, a relatively like good lawyer, to Saul Goodman, you know, the criminal The sleazy, criminal corrupt. Lawyer. Yeah, he's a criminal lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is cool. And, and, it's, and it is, what's weird is that he starts out kind of as a criminal lawyer, but not to the same degree that he is in Breaking Bad. Um it and that i think is even more interesting because it's like i don't know i think vince gilligan probably saw this too where he's just like oh people don't want to see the the mr chips to scarface thing where it's just like oh how did this nice lawyer become a bad lawyer you know what i mean i think he was more interested in saying telling the story of uh how did a a crook become a lawyer <laughs> you know what i mean because <laughs> 
Jimmy already starts out as like a scam artist and then he becomes a lawyer because that's just in his family and it's what's easiest for him to get into because his brother's like a lawyer. So, uh, and then he kind of just becomes trapped in the world of being a lawyer because he finds that he actually likes it, but he likes it for kind of the wrong reasons and him becoming more like from, I don't know, uh, unlawful. What is it? What's that little, <laughs> the little diagram where he becomes, uh, not lawful. Yeah. Evil. Where oh. he, he becomes, he becomes, uh, less lawful evil. Uh, or, or I say I should say lawful neutral into more lawful evil, which is uh, interesting. Because I mean, even Saul Goodman in in Breaking Bad is not totally like crooked, but he he just is so a, such a huge part of that world that he knows how to do everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say sleazy is the word. Sleazy, exactly. And and he he's and he not never was evil though. No, he's no, more no, like, no. He's like chaotic. He goes from being like chaotic <laughs> good to chaotic neutral almost. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and I don't know. He's such a complex and interesting character that it's not like you can just assign him uh, uh, a label, which is is better in my opinion. But at, at the same time, there is like an arc that you know he'll end up at a certain point, and you're like, how is he going to get there? And it also ha- it also starts off a lot of episodes with a, a flash forward into what happened after Breaking Bad, and that's also interesting, like the black and white uh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, um, really? It, it it goes into what happened after Breaking Bad. Yeah, like uh, you've seen Breaking Bad, right? Yeah, where it ends, where he goes and like works at Cinnabon. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, there are a bunch of flash forwards where it shows him working at Cinnabon under a, a new name, <laughs> and him kind of like remembering all the shit that both happened in Bra- during the events of Breaking Bad and also the events of Better Call Saul. So it's kind of cool to see that acknowledged also. Um but it is it and and Matt brought up that it's it, it's true that people might be be uh, turned off from the title alone because they might assume that it's a lawyer show in the same way that like I don't know CSI SVU or something is a is a lawyer show but it's definitely not. Um and 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 the few parts of the show that are heavily focused on law at least make it interesting and make it more focused on the drama behind the the law <laughs> i should say uh than like i don't know law itself because law i think i mean you, you have to be a lawyer i think to be interested in the concept of law or whatever at least in my opinion i definitely think that there is a market for people who are interested in in law outside of people who view it as like a career choice but uh the show i don't know it handles that subject in such an entertaining way that i wouldn't expect uh a lawyer show or a show that where the main character is a lawyer to do it's very cool so a question for y'all so i love breaking bad you know i love gustavo fring uh hector salamanca very very cool characters that um i still think of uh you know so many years not so many years but you know a few years <laughs> after breaking bad ended yeah some of my favorite TV characters that I've ever seen. However, does this show, Better Call Saul, have like great characters on that same level of its own? Oh yeah, uh, yes. Oh man, Chuck they... is infuriating. Uh, I, oh, he's dude, such Chuck. a he's such an infuriating character that you can't help but ha- love to hate him. And it's it's definitely something that is not even really in Breaking Bad, but they do it so well. I love that. I, I love that they they didn't like repeat. They didn't like make a new Jesse, or they didn't make a new, you know, 
they came up with completely different complex characters. And I, uh, the female interest, uh, the female, I, I guess the love interest, I honestly, I don't even remember her name. She's probably what? the weak. Uh, she's probably one of the I weaker love characters. Kim. I think Kim's such a great character. She's, I don't know. There's, she, I can't put my finger on what exactly it is about her that makes her so dull to me, but like there, she's she just dull. kind of there. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just a lawyer. She's just a lawyer, but what I suppose what's, so, <laughs> what's interesting about Kim is Kim is like a middle ground between like if you have uh jimmy on one side and chuck on the other kim's like kind of in the middle yeah yeah she's definitely the the voice of reason and maybe that's why she's not that interesting to me because she's kind of the rock and the rock character is never Mm -hmm. going to be that interesting i understand that but at the same time I, i just have to bring that up is that like if i had to bring up some sort of weird criticism about the show is that that I don't know. I feel like you can make even dull characters interesting, and she doesn't really, uh, she doesn't really hit it for me. But uh, is she supposed to be like a foil to the like n- weird and like dark characters of, of the rest of the show? Or she's just kind she's of just like she's just kind of like his support. Uh, uh, I don't know how to describe her. She's just kind of like there to um, to kind of give him advice whenever he's like contemplating something she's caught up in the same world that he is but she definitely is more level-headed and while she understands like who i feel like she understands him and she's like oh yeah he's just kind of like he was brought up as a crook and he's trying to like i don't know right his wrongs by doing good by participating in the justice system and stuff and it's hard for him to shake those bad feelings or whatever or those or those old um habits so she's not as like hard on him as chuck is chuck is his brother and he's like a stickler basically he's like the hard like lawyer type who's just like this is against the law and you're a crook and it's it's like there's no place for you in law and and i don't know it's so much deeper than that like there's definitely some rivalry that goes on between them just because they're brothers and they i think that they've always had a rivalry but besides that yeah kim definitely is that rock that's kind of like what matt said in the middle of the two where she's just like understanding of both chuck's position and jimmy's position and um i don't know it's hard to make that character interesting so i'm not gonna blame the writers or anything but uh yeah i don't know but mike is really cool uh there's um the uh mexican guy that works for uh nacho yeah, Nacho, that's what his name is. I think his name is really weird, by the way. Nacho, what a strange name. Uh, Nacho is pretty cool. He's like, uh, he, he's, he's like a, he's like a good bad guy. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, so like, I, a lot of the characters that the show really focuses on and makes even better are like the ones from Breaking Bad. Yeah, but Mike. Like Mike's story is have. amazing. <laughs> I love oh it. yeah, Mike, dude. Mike got so much backstory, and it's great. Yeah, um, Mike is awesome. But like, but like Chuck's definitely the highlight of the new characters. Where mm-hmm. uh, he he just feels it's like one of those characters. If you look back at like Breaking Bad lore, I guess the greater <laughs> Albuquerque universe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the ACU. Chuck is one of the highlights. Um, Nacho. I don't know if it changes, but. Nacho's kind of weird, at least from a season three perspective, because there's not a there's not as much as you think they would have done with him. I don't know if that yeah. changes later on, um, but he definitely is like he's one of the 
I feel like he's one of the poster boys for the show, which is kind of weird. Like he's one of the main characters on the Netflix art, but he's also in like maybe every. He's like, not really episodes. in it as much as the as the the yeah as the promotional material would suggest, but he's definitely still a main character. And I think it's just that he interacts with him the most. It's kind of like um who was that um other Mexican guy that got his throat slit uh in Breaking Bad? He's kind of like that guy, except like he actually has like a soul. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wait, what? What do you, the, which, a lot of guys got their throat slit in Breaking Bad. No, the okay. So, like, remember in season four, Gus Fring uh, was going to basically kill Walter and and Jesse in favor of of uh, oh of that other guy. Um, You're talking about Gus's enforcer guy. Yeah, Gus's enforcer guy. And then like they killed. Um, they oh yeah, yeah. He's in the show too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They killed. Um, uh, what? What's his name? He's from like <laughs> I haven't seen Breaking Bad in a long time. Uh the guy with the curly hair who's like kind of nice and and like was Gale. like a, oh, a good Gale. chemist and helped and helped Walter set up the the big lab. Yeah, that's Gale. Yeah, our boy Gale. Gale. Awesome. Thank you. Gale got killed because they had to kill him. Uh and then to basically punish them or show them who's boss or whatever threaten them, he slit the throat of his like henchmen. Right? And yeah, that yeah, henchman, I know what you're talking about. And that henchman basically is what Nacho is in this show, except Nacho actually has character development and he appears to have a soul, which the guy that got his throat cut in the other uh thing just was a dead eyed weirdo. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. That guy, um, he's in the show too. He's like yeah. he's like the the deed guy for Gus. So mm-hmm. that might help you think of him better, Gus. But and uh Nacho is kind of like the first hand man for Hector. Yeah. And Hector yeah. and Gus are obviously there in uh they're in warring uh tribes or whatever. What's the uh, what's the name for for uh, cartels? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean, this show sounds very good to me and I It's awesome. I was worried when I first heard about it. I was I was worried that it would it would suffer from like prequelitis mm-hmm. where like like you were saying earlier it sounds like it addresses this but like if you know that the guy is going to be in the sequel like why would you worry that he has a gun pointed to his head at the end of an episode in the prequel <laughs> yeah you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like there isn't like, any Saul of Goodman's not going to die why would i why would i worry about that that's not a, a good narrative device but it, i mean it sounds like uh it, it sounds like this show transcends that and like goes into some deep shit i mean it sounds awesome um, what I found really funny is that my dad, who is a lawyer, uh, watched Better Call Saul before he watched Breaking Bad. And he oh. was like, he like he would call me up and he'd be like, Gus, you got to watch this show, Better Call Saul. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, yeah, it sounds really good. Have you seen Breaking Bad? And he was like, no, I don't have time for that. What? And he finished. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> he like got caught up with Better Call Saul, probably like season four at the time, and then went and watched Breaking Bad, but still maintains that uh, – Better Call Saul is better. So, um, <laughs> well, he did watch I mean, it I, I first. So, yeah, it might might have something to do with that. Better Call Saul also like, like I think we talked about this when we were talking about Ozarks a couple, like several episodes ago. But like, better, I'm getting the names mixed up. Breaking Bad really hit a high point at like season three and onward, um, where I feel like that might have just been like Vince Gilligan like learning how to you know, structure these episodes and write these characters and get it like a really like a, a winning formula. Um, Cause I think better call Saul, like there's definitely high points, 
uh, like some seasons are better, but it I feel like it starts out a whole lot better than um, Breaking Bad did. Like, and I don't think there's ever, I don't feel like, a, like I think it's like season two of Breaking Bad. I feel like they, they, he kind of got lost with where the plot was going to go because it kind of felt very back and forth. Um, whereas season in this three? show, not season three, uh, season two. Oh, Basically, yeah. Yeah. As they're yeah. like, there's like a point where it's like, oh, we're going to stop. Oh, we're going to start. Oh, we're going to stop. Um, and it kind of goes yeah. back and forth. Uh, and they wrote that show episode by episode. So I guess maybe it did feel very serialized and, and, and like the, yeah, that makes sense that they wrote it episode by episode though. Yeah. Uh, but this show, I feel like it, it just starts off on a really good level. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think the later seasons are also better than season one, but I think that's in this show. It's not because, um, they're learning like how to write like good characters. Like there's a lot of good stuff in season one, but the later seasons are even better because that's really like the high points of all the character development of, uh, of like, you know, like Chuck comes in and all the, a lot of the other. New yeah. Characters. Yeah. And like, it it's really very dramatic. Its own thing. A lot of <laughs> what's funny about better call Saul in comparison to breaking bad is that, um, a lot of conflicts, arise from action or they arise from characters dying or or they arise from from like relationships being made and stuff like that like like kind of more big moments uh but what's interesting about better call saul is that a lot of the turning points in episodes are basically just like little conversations that people have or or like petty drama that unfolds or like somebody betrays somebody it's all very like office drama kind of um kind of things that that go on and it's it's weird in that way where you can be invested in the same at almost the same level in in a story where nobody really gets shot like the only people that get killed are like people that are not even really characters in the show they're just like people that mike kills or whatever you know what i mean like when mike goes and does like his his like mike stuff his mike stuff you know but like (laughs) i don't know major characters their development comes from just drama that happens rather than like oh like gail gets killed off at the end of season you know what i mean like very 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 seldom does like uh does like a, a cliffhanger happen where somebody's in like peril? You know what I mean. And I think it's because they realize like, oh, there's not really any point in putting characters that are clearly going to live in any danger. It's more like we should put these characters in situations where at the end of the episode you're like, oh my god, how are they gonna deal with that? Like his career's over, his like his relationship, his relationships in danger. Like, wh- like his his brother is like doing this crazy shit again making all this shit up about him to like ruin his life for no reason. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> all this, all this stuff. Like, I, I think it's great. I think that's uh, like, it's a weird parallel to breaking bad in a way where it's not the same kind of thing, but it's also extremely entertaining in the same kind of way. Yeah. I mean, if it is Vince Gilligan, that, that's, that's pretty cool that he's brought that same kind of storytelling mm-hmm. uh, to a new show, like in 2020, it feels crazy to me that, like that same kind of show is still going on because like Breaking Bad is such a time capsule in my mind of like what I think of as like the golden age of TV when like Mad Men had ended and I think Mad Men had ended at the time and Breaking Bad like went off on such a bang. 
So it, it's cool that this stuff, this stuff is still getting made. I just don't watch a whole lot of, I don't watch a whole lot of TV shows. So I think that's why I've, yeah. uh, I've missed it, but it sounds like a hundred percent up my alley. Oh, like I love, so I love that world. Like it's such a, like you were saying, Matt, like the Albuquerque cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, <'cause> <laughs> like it is El such Camino a cool too. thing. Like it's so deep. Yeah, dude, El Camino was so good. I, I feel like we talked about that on one of our uh, the lost one of the podcasts we never. Yeah, one of our lost episodes. Um, but man, El Camino was so good. I was so pumped. Uh, it really just felt like a new episode of Breaking Bad. And um, but what's cool about what y'all are saying is that like Better Call Saul kind of sounds like it. It's in the vein of Breaking Bad, like to the in the key of Breaking Bad, but like does its own thing. Has its own. It's approach. definitely not like a hyper violent, like gritty show like breaking bad was it's definitely more focused on relationships character development storytelling uh drama that kind of thing so if you like that but also just with the characters of breaking bad then uh i think you'd really like it i typically get really bored by just like oh my god he said what and then the show ends (laughs) you know what i mean like the (laughs) The Desperate Housewives style of storytelling, but they do it really. Okay, you don't need to bring in Desperate Housewives into this. I'm as look. You know, I'm, a know, I'm a big, huge fan. I watched Desperate Housewives the first few seasons when it came out, and I may or may not have watched it because the person I was dating at the time was also watching it. But I wasn't <laughs> not entertained by it. I mean, it was watchable at least. <laughs> but what I'm saying is okay. that it's definitely uh, entertaining in 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 a way that I would not expect. Uh, considering that nobody gets fucking shot in the head or anything, you know, I'm a boy. I got to see some, some people getting killed, you know, some people doing drugs, you know, awesome shit like that. Car chases, fight scenes, explosions. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I think season five of Desperate Housewives, like a terrorist moves onto their street <laughs> and like there is a giant explosion. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember specifically, but it was like, it was a guy played by, um, what's his name? What's the guy from Firefly? Uh, what's that actor's name? There's um, a couple actors in Firefly. Yeah, I think no, that there's the main, definitely more than one actor Mr. in Firefly. Firefly. Yep. Mr. Firefly himself. Okay. I believe uh, that guy. Captain uh, that guy Hammer? Moves, uh, yes, Captain Hammer of uh, Dr. whatever. What is that guy's blog. name? How am I Dr. forgetting? Horrible is his name Nathan blog. something or am I stupid? Nathan Fillion. There Nathan you go. Fillion. Yeah, okay. Oh my God. I can't believe we forgot that. <laughs> yeah, so friend of the show, Nathan Fillion. Wait, Nathan Fillion was a to, terrorist? Yeah, he moves on to <laughs> oh Wisteria Lane. He does not, he does not look like, like a terrorist <laughs> at all. Yeah, he's like a terrorist and like the the girls find out about it and somehow like foil his i don't remember specifically all i remember is like the last episode <laughs> of season five or whatever season he was in there's like a giant explosion on wisteria lane and then like the season after that a plane <laughs> crashes on wisteria lane and like no one moves you know after all not. of this you know hyper violence everyone's still chilling you know drinking margaritas or whatever the girls As you do. do but i'm getting ahead of myself i love desperate housewives there is a definite power creep of violence in that show <laughs> <laughs> power creep of violence that's a nice Which, way of saying uh, jumping really the shark appreciate. i suppose but yeah that's uh interesting oh it's like they they dude they'd like backflip over the shark <laughs> like jet ski over it it's i mean it's pretty crazy what they do in that show uh, um but uh yeah uh i mean better call Saul sounds really really cool 
Um, and it, it sounds like the opposite of jumping the shark. Like, it seems like it's taking a step back. It's definitely from... more tame than I would have expected because of what uh, a violent and, and explosive show Breaking Bad turned out to be, especially in the later seasons. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I still haven't seen the fifth season. Who knows? Maybe everybody dies. But at the same time, I don't, I, it would be so uncharacteristic of that show at this point. I don't think that I think that it'll just end in a nice little bow where it's just like, and then he moved to Albuquerque and started his own little, uh, uh, his own little law firm where he had a big sign that says better call Saul, you know, dude, I, I bet the, the last scene of season five is, is when going post <laughs> him going postal in the Cinnabon. Oh, <laughs> oh! You actually, but you haven't seen you haven't seen season five. No, it's I mean it's out on television, like I said. But I only watch the new seasons of Better Call Saul when they come out on Netflix, and they usually come out uh, a few months after they uh, are done airing. So, uh, oh, because I actually I saw I think maybe the last episode or so of season five, and Jimmy McGill like looks at the camera and says, "Theme song." No, 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 no. <laughs> is there a theme song at the end of your no, podcast? This is, a, this is a re yeah 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 there is, but this is <laughs> just a dumb bit. <laughs> no, I yeah, it's the, the bit is I jokingly try to end the podcast early by just saying the word theme song. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and it never works. Well, I mean, we can closer. wrap up what we were talking about, and it's essentially this: watch Better Call Saul. It's a good show, especially if you've seen Breaking Bad, because it has all of the characters you know and love, plus some new ones. Uh, we're not sponsored by, you know, uh, AMC or anything, but it's uh, it's uh, awesome. Check it out. That yeah, means you, you know, Gus. Uh, I, we're working on the AMC sponsorship, but uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'll watch it. I will watch it. All right. Uh, I Like I said, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I just watch a bunch of dumb YouTube and podcasts <laughs> and stuff. Same. But uh, I have no, like five I, I, shows I that it. I watch when they come out and that's it. I don't really like try anything new anymore. Yeah, ever since Desperate Housewives ended, man, you know, it's just not the same. <laughs> I'm just into Stranger Things and uh, Better Call Saul, and uh, that's pretty much it. It's all I watch. You guys got to try Ozarks. I oh, do yeah. have to watch you that. Know. It's been on my list for years, like my little to-watch list. It's literally been on there for a few years now, so <laughs> just haven't got it. The only show worth watching, in my opinion, is uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, uh, some anime bullshit. I'm not watching that. <laughs> some damn cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, it's like a children's show. Check it out. <laughs> Definitely like for kids. Kids stuff. 100% for kids, I'm sure. <laughs> huh. um, Matt, but uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, you know, the world, you know, is a turbulent place. And due to COVID-19 concerns, we had to uh, stop our fan favorite segment, um, A Most Notable Nelson. But I actually received word from our producers. We, we do have... Uh, we do have room for that segment uh, in today's episode. If you'd like to hear um, who the the combatants are this week, oh yes, hit hit me with them, Nelsons. Yeah, so Dane, you know, as you may remember, um, the only reason why we started this podcast is so that we can eventually work up to getting an interview with Larry Herb, Xbox Live's Major Nelson, and in our opinion, he is the most notable Nelson. But just you know, because we love science, we fucking love science. <laughs> yes, uh, we like to do like a. <laughs> Reddit gold uh, like for to... you, my good sir. God, I love science. <laughs> um, 
but uh, in the spirit of science, we like to do some peer reviewing and, uh, you know, go through other Nelsons to see who the most notable Nelson might be. And I've actually just received word that um, although I will say Larry Herb, Xbox Live's Major Nelson has won, he is still the most notable <laughs> Nelson. The, uh, the runner up this week is uh, Nelson Lab. Um, in the Department of Pharmacological and Physiological Sciences at uh, the University of Chicago. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought you were going to say something man. like Nelson Mandela, but okay. We have we've already no, he, done Nelson Mandela. He was the actually, yeah. He, he was the first. He lost on our first winner. episode. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He did you know, die in prison in the eighties. Like so there's that. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, there's like this thing people talk about called the Mandela effect, and it just didn't make its way out of this podcast because Larry Herb, you know, honestly. The Larry Herb be, effect is what they should yeah, call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, we, you know, we like to have fun around here. And when we do, mm-hmm. we typically, it's, you know, it's it's Herb related. So, you know, Nelson Mandela, <laughs> he did a great job, a great man, but he just didn't make the cut, you know, this week, you know, or, you know. Uh, the first week he was featured on a most notable Nelson, but uh, neither did uh, Nelson lab. So let's hear it for uh, this Nelson lab. Uh, it's located in Abbott hall at the university of Chicago. Um, they, you know, do all sorts of great research in pharmacological and uh, physiological sciences. So uh, yeah, as someone who loves science, I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. Uh, Welp, all right, Dane. Um, <laughs> so we just had some uh, technical issues. So, uh, yes. Gus just disappeared from <laughs> the world, and I assume Discord. So this has been the Motion Pixels podcast. I'm Matthew Rawlings, co-host one. My invisible co-host was August Meyer. And thank you, Mr. Dane Kevin Cook, for once again joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Theme song. I'm finished. And one of the great things about having a fully dynamic game engine is all of this just works. It's not, I'm not kidding.